Um, about 20 years ago, uh, my wife and I were dating, and, um, and I brought her up to Michigan for the very first time to meet, um, and she's probably not my parent, but to kind of get to know the hometown, find out what, what Michigan looks like compared to her hometown in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, so it's a little bit different, a little bit cooler. But, you know, I, I, we brought her up here during the summer, and she actually loved it. She's like, man, it's not so hot and humid. It's nice. And I said, I know. It's a, it's a wonderful place. And, um, and I never brought her up here during wintertime. That would have been bad for the relationship, okay? And so, uh, so I brought her up here, and, uh, you know, we flew up here, and we bought my dad's truck to go to a Tigers baseball game. We drive down there, and... Um, we parked in one of those independent gravel pit parking lot, you know. We just found a spot, and, and uh, we walked to the game and had a great time. Three hours later, we're walking back. And you ever had that, that feeling that something's wrong? You know what I'm talking about? You said, man, something, something's not right. And I'm looking for the, the truck keys, and they're not in my pockets. And then I was like, oh, no. Did, I, did it fell out, you know, in the, in the stadium? You know, or, or did I leave it in the car? Did I lock my car keys? Am I going to be calling my dad to drive down, you know, with the other car to, with the spare key? I, I got all, me, all these thoughts in my mind. And Karen, she's like, what, what's going on, Scott? And I said, yeah, I'm not sure yet. I didn't want to say it, you know. But we get closer to the truck, and thankfully the truck, I mean, it shouldn't have been, but it was unlocked. I get in the car, the truck, and I've looked for the keys, and sure enough, the keys are in the ignition. And to make it work, the truck was still running. <laughs> it's been running the whole time. And thankfully, the truck is still there. And didn't it drive off like it should have, you know? And, uh, and, and that was a story that I didn't tell my dad. That, by the way, that's happened. You know, you know, I didn't want him to, uh, you know, I didn't want to lose my privilege of driving his truck. And so I, um, the next thing I noticed is because it's been, you know, on the whole time, that I'm on E. And this was back when you didn't have the, the digital how many miles you have left before empty. You know, it's like below the E line. And you're like, man, how far can you go? You know, and, and so we're like stuck in traffic trying to get out. And thankfully, we found a gas station and we made it home in one piece. And, uh, but how many of you, man, I can, I can relate. I feel like my life, I sometimes feel like I'm living or running on empty. You know, the gauge of my life is below the E-line, you know, and I, and I just feel like I'm burning out. I feel like I'm running out of gas in my personal life. I feel like I'm the garden hose that when it turn on, Nothing comes out because the garden hose has so many holes in it and, uh, and the water coming out in so many different wrong directions. And you say, man, Scott, that's me. I'm drained. I turn, my, I turn the, the hose of my life on and nothing seems to go. Nothing seems to come out. I'm just, I'm just I have no output because I'm wore out. And, uh, and maybe you're here today and that's, that's where you're at. I, I got to tell you, this past 12, 14 months, Man, it's it been tough. It's been, it been different. We've had a change of pace in so many different ways. But I'm glad that the Bible, that we can see examples of people that we 
admire, people that we put up on a high, you know, on a high pedestal, and to see that they live life on empty. Now think of the wisest man in the Bible, the wisest man of all time. He wrote Proverbs, wonderful, right? He was the second king of Israel. He was the son of the great king, King David. Talk about a guy named Solomon. You know Solomon. He also wrote a book in the Bible that sometimes we kind of miss. Now, we're all about Proverbs, but we sometimes miss Ecclesiastes. You see, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon opened the hood of his life and allows us to, to look what is happening underneath that hood. And we kind of see what's going on in his life. And maybe, just maybe, you can relate to Ecclesiastes in the verses that we're about to read. Look at chapter one. And look, look at verse one. He said, these are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. And this is what he said. First word he had to say is, everything is meaningless. All right, this is like someone coming to uh, Solomon. Solomon, how you doing, man? Everything is meaningless. I mean, that's not an answer that we would really like to give. We always say, yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. You know, he, he's honest here. He's honest. He said, everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. He said in verse 3, what do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets and then it hurries around and it rises again. The wind blows south and it turns north and around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers, it runs into the sea, but the sea is never full. It's never, it's never empty. The water then returns back to the river and flows out again to the sea. Everything is worrisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. He said, history keeps repeating itself. It, all, it has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Does this kind of feel? Can you just kind of hear the emotions of Solomon? Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, man. And he gives us nine verses right here. He keeps going. Look at the first number, uh, chapter 2 and verse number 17. I came to hate life. Wow. Man, he's honest. He said, because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. I came to hate all my hard work here on earth. For I must leave to others everything that I've earned. You know, I have never seen out of a cemetery, you know, I've never seen a hearse going into a cemetery with a U-Haul in it. Uh, it's never pulling that. And here, here, here's, here's Solomon saying, man, what am I doing this for? What's the point? He's having like a, a, an eye-opening discussion and beginning to really hate life. Look at verse number 20. He said, so I gave up in despair, questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. 
Look at verse 23. The days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. How many of you can relate to that? You, you go to bed and you can't sleep. You're restless. This is where Solomon is at. He said it's all meaningless. And I dare to say, I'm sure that many of us here can relate to Solomon. But fortunately, Solomon didn't leave us here. While he was checking out the different dials of his life, he comes up with a plan, a biblical plan. And I want to share that with you, how you and I can charge up our batteries, how we can prevent burnout in our lives. That's our four quick thoughts. Number one, the first thought is this. We need to find balance in your life. Balance. There is a time, there's a place for everything. Solomon said in chapter 3, verse number 1, for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build up. There's a time to cry and a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve and a time to dance. And it goes on, the next few verses, 14 different times we see a contrast. He's saying that life is composed of opposites. And if you want to prevent burnout from happening in your life, you must learn to find that balance. The number one characteristic I see of someone who's burned out is their life is not in balance. Areas of their lives that are being neglected. In the first two chapters, we see Solomon's weakness. He was a workaholic. He put work above everything else. Five times, he bragged about his hard work. Man, I'm an awesome, such a hard worker. Five times he bragged about it. He was burned out. And to prevent burnout, we got to find that balance. We got to balance the professional with the personal. We got to balance work with play. We got to balance the being with the doing. We got to balance the physical with the spiritual. We got to balance the giving with receiving. The Bible says you balance these things. You no, know, Jesus was amazing at a balanced life. Of course he is. But I want you to see the model. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom, which he was balanced mentally. He grew in stature, which means that he was balanced physically. He grew in favor with God. That means that he was balanced spiritually, and then he grew in favor with all the people. That means that he would balance relationally, mentally, physically, spiritually, socially. I love the quote from uh, Louis Giglio. Uh, he said this, if we are going to be engaged in furious work, then we also need to be engaged and furious rest. You know, the past few months, 
I have been in a, a coaching um, network since January, and it's just going through a personal coaching, personal self-development, and, um, and it's been a wonderful breakthrough for me. There's just some things I've, I've learned about myself and my special calling and, and, and uh, what God is doing in my life. And uh, in the last few weeks, um, we've been talking about the different storylines of our lives. You know, and I, I, for me, I identify four. And I've, I've got them on your handout notes. These are my four, and it could be very close to your four storylines. You can make five storylines. I'm going to challenge you to do something in just a minute. But I identify the four undercurrent or the gauge, so to speak. You know, just like your car has a dashboard and got different gauges. I've got four different gauges of my life that I'm going to sum up and focus to make sure that I am imbalanced. Those four storylines are there. Uh, health. Talk about my personal health, my spiritual health, my spiritual oneness with God, my mental health. All right, that's health. That's my first storyline. My second storyline is the idea of love. That's my family, my inner circle. That's an important storyline of my life. The third storyline of my life is, is work, my professional life. What I do here at the church, that's for me. For you, it might be, you know, uh, what you do for your business. Maybe you're a company owner. or Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. This is an important job. And that's your storyline. Maybe the fourth storyline for, for me is the word play. You know, that hobby. The things I want to do. You know, uh, the, the recreation. And so, I have the four storylines. And in my coaching network, it says every week, every week, Grade yourself on those four storylines. And, and, and what we're using may be different for you. I'm, I, you know, I want you to think what might work for you. Maybe yours is a scale from one to ten. You know, one being not so great, ten, I'm doing great, maybe a five. And, but each week, I'm grading it with three words. Thriving. Man, I'm thriving. Man, I, man I'm on cloud nine here. Things are going well. Man, I'm hitting on all eight cylinders in this area of my life. Surviving. Man, it's broken. I see no hope. Man, it, it, it been, it's not been so hot lately. And then reviving. It's kind of a circular uh, format for me. It's uh, thriving, surviving, reviving, back to thriving. We're reviving, man. I'm getting out of the funk. Okay, I'm getting back into it. I, you know, I'm getting back into that habit. And for what I'm doing, each week in my journal, I'm gauging the four storylines of my life. I see why I'm surviving. I see, man, I'm doing really well. I'm surviving in my spiritual growth. I see that I'm surviving in my family. I said, man, I've not been so hot there. I've been so busy and everything else that my family's been neglected. I, I, I'm reviving in this area of play. You know, I, I'm going to take a day off. You know what? Be honest with you, I am playing golf tomorrow. First time playing golf. I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to it. That's part of my reviving. That was something that I recognized. Man, I haven't taken a day off in a while. You know, and so half the time, you're not going to see me tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to be, uh, you know, hacking it. You know, balls flying everywhere. And you just got to watch out for me. But you know what? I don't care. I'm playing. It's part of my cycle. And so, listen, every week, you should examine. Instead of saying, hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm fine. 
I'm good. Examine it four or five different storylines of your life and grade each one and see where you're, where you're out of balance and find that balance that you need to find. So first thing first, find a balance. And Solomon said, we've got to find balance. We've got to contrast. Here's the second thing. You've got to quit living in isolation. Oh, man, this past year, a lot of isolation, right? Been tough. Uh, you know, in the pandemic season, and um, according to the National Center of Health, it's been interesting. In 2019, before the pandemic, 8% of adults saw signs of anxiety and burnout in their lives. By the end of 2020, that number went from 8% to 36%. We got to quit living in isolation. It has a lot to do with that, the quarantine that we went through. See, we all need constant love and attention and affirmation from other people. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 9, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Solomon is saying here, we have to develop strong personal relationship. And everybody, everybody, it needs at least one person that they can totally count on in life. I, I love this quote. I've used it before, but I want to say it again. A friend is somebody who walks in when everybody else walks out. That's a friend. And everybody needs a friend. We got to develop personal relationship. It's critical to our day that we're living in. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so, so grateful in my life for my, for my wife. You know, she's my number one cheerleader. You know, she's she behind me. She, you know, when we moved to Michigan, the Dark Lake Point Church, you know, it had to be both of us. You know, I said, Karen, do you, do you feel... In fact, she's like, God, we've got to go. I was still thinking about it. Do we do this? Do we not? I said, God, let's go. Come on. Come on. I'm behind you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, we're in it together. I feel God calling. And, and she had been with me by my side this whole journey. And we're celebrating 20 years coming up this year, right? All right. There you go. 20 years. We're getting old. Talking to another couple, they just celebrated 50 years. Where are you at? Right over there. There you guys, uh, Sandy and Connie. Uh, Connie and. So I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my mom. Where's my mom? There he is. She's always fought for me, you know, ever since I was a baby, right? She should, you know, but then once she found out I had hearing loss, you know, she did everything she could to make sure that I could uh, get what I need. Always been supportive, always been there on my behalf, and uh, and so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for for her influence in my life, and uh, this is where you're supposed to cry, Mom. There you go. There you go. All right, good. I'm also thankful for my closest friends. You know, those that have supported me. Listen, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for the people in my life. 
to help me get to where I'm at. And so you need strong relationship. You need support that when you're down, they can lift you up. Here's the third thing we see in Solomon's life. He said to take time to stop and smell the roses. But think about that. You know, so often we're so busy making the rose happen. We plant, we cultivate the ground, we pull the weeds, that when the rose actually happens, that we don't take time to enjoy the rose. We're so busy taking care of it and making sure it happens that we don't stop and smell it. And, and, and Solomon said, man, you got to enjoy the present. Notice what he said in verse number 18. He said, even so, I have noticed one thing. At least that is good. It is good for people to eat, to drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. He said, it's a good thing to receive wealth from God and a good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is the gift from God. See, God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the path. He wants you, he wants you to be busy focusing on the now. But so many of us were worried about yesterday. We're worried about the future. Life is to be enjoyed. Solomon knew this from personal experience. He, you can get so busy working that you never take time to stop to enjoy the result of your hard work. And that's a condition for burnout. You know, you're always working, never enjoying today. Always regretting the past. You're always worrying about the future. You're always missing out on the, on the present pleasures of life. I, I, I think it's crazy. I've seen this happen, you know, and I know that I've done it before. You know, we, 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 we work hard, and then when we go on vacation, what do we do? Some of us, we pack our briefcase, our bags, and we take our work with us on vacation. We're vacationing, but we're working when we should be vacationing. You know, and, and so we've got to take time to stop smell the roses. You know, I used to watch um, on, on the Discovery Channel, Dirty Jobs by Mike Rowe. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, it's an interesting show. You know, it's always going to some crazy places, and it, it, I find it fascinating. But there was one episode that he missed, and that was to spend a day with a mob, right? Because, mom, you got the toughest job out there. You got a hard job. You can get so busy, busy, busy working, making sure your kids are provided for, and it's so easy to miss and to take time to stop and to smell the roses in your life, to take time to stop. And so I, I challenge you moms, yeah, find, find time for peace and quiet. It, it's there, you know, and uh, you don't have to be deaf like me to find peace and quiet, okay? You, it's there, you can do it, you know. Karen, Karen I, I said, go, go do something, you know, go take a couple out, you know. Uh, uh, sometimes you have, to kick, you have to kick them out of the house, go. You know, and uh, I said, no, who can take care of the baby? Go. Husband, help them do it. Take a couple hours. You know, if you're a single mom, you know, your friend with a single mom. 
see that need. And say, you know what? I need to call her. She could probably use a friend in this moment and be there for her. Learn to be content. That's how you enjoy the present. You got to learn to be content. But still focusing on having the perfect, clean house. That if it's not perfectly clean, then you can't rest. Listen, be content that your house is 90% there. You know, or, or somebody's like, hey, you know, I, I, I'm not going to stop working until my kids are perfect. You know, listen, they're going to smell anyway. Right? So just at some point, be content. You see, you know what, my kids, you know, I'm not saying that we get lazy. I'm not saying that we, you know, don't try to better ourselves, right? But, man, we work so hard for things that's hard to achieve. It's like chasing the wind. <laughs> chasing the wind. And then at some point, just learn just to be content with what God has given you. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. What did it say? I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to stop and smell the roses today. That's the key to living a life that's not burned out. Here's the fourth one, and we're done. Let God be God. Stop playing God. Stop playing God. The reason we burn out is because we take on burdens that God never intended for you to take on. But you take it on anyway. Here's what you do, two things. We see this in, the, in Ecclesiastes. Number one, you've got to recognize your limitations. Recognize your limitation. Realize that God is God and that you're a human being. And you don't try to be more than a human being. Understand your role. Now, oftentimes we confuse the two roles. And recognize your limitations. Say, God, there are areas in my life that are beyond my control. I need your help. I need your strength. And that's the second thought. You've got to draw strength from him. Draw strength from God. This is for all of us to take that time out that we need every day. Sit in your favorite chair, go in the backyard, go to a park, bring your Bible, and spend time in God's Word. Pray and talk to God. Say, so God, there's 15 million things I could be doing right now, but I understand, I recognize my limitation, and I give it to you. I'm going to trust you to do what I can't do on my own. I need your strength to help me to go day by day. Help me not to worry about next week. Help me to focus on today. To trust you in the moment. To draw strength from him. Notice what Solomon said at the end of the book. Chapter 12, verse 13. He said, this is the whole story. My final conclusion. Fear God and obey his command. Fear God and obey his command. For this it's everyone's duty. This is the duty of man. He said, don't play God. You recognize God for who he is. You let God be God. Let man be man. You treat him as God. You obey God. Do what he said to do. And he will help you live a life that's not on empty, but that you will live a full life for the glory of God. And here today, to wrap it up, some of you here today are modern-day Solomons. You recognize 
yourself in Solomon's life. I pray that today that you will find balance. I pray that you find friendship. I pray that you take time to enjoy the present. But ultimately, let God be God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I will seek him first. And then when he said, when you seek him first and make him number one in your life, all of his other stuff shall be added to you. You make him number one. Let him be the center of your life, just like a, a hub of a wheel. Jesus is the hub of your wheel of your life. Because when he is in the middle, then everything around it will be balanced the way it's supposed to be. I pray that this week, you do some self-assessment, whether looking at the different storylines or gauges of your life, and say, man, this is where I need to grow in, this is where I'm struggling with this week. I need to find that balance. I need, I need to find that friendship. I need to enjoy the present. I need to smell that rose. I need to make God number one. What is it that you need to do this week? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessing, for your word. We thank you for the honesty of, of Solomon. How he opened his heart. And how we can probably, most of us, identify with Solomon. Some of us were just living on empty. Life is on E. We're stressed out, we're burned out, we're fed up, we're discouraged. God, I pray that you help us because you give us the answer. Help us to do the things that we talk about. Help us to live a life of contentment. A life of balance. A life with community with others. And a life where you are number one in every areas of our lives. We thank you for your word today. I pray that you help us to take next step this week. In Jesus' name, amen.